When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hits just keep on coming. This is the Rich Eisen Show with guest host Tom Pellicero. Tom Pellicero in for Rich Eisen. Day one of three for me. Very excited to be here along with the guys in the studio. Great guests this hour. Dwight Freeney is going to join us hopefully in the next few minutes here. A uh, lot to react to and what's Tom, going on in Indianapolis. Be honest. You'd never heard of Parks Frazier before yesterday, right? Parks Frazier, it's a great name. It's a great, great, <laughs> it's a great right there. Uh, yes, I got the call uh, along with Ian Rappaport, and my response was, who that? Who? <laughs> <laughs> and he's 30 years old. He was hired as the assistant to the head coach. Not assistant head coach, assistant to like Costanza, the head coach to the traveling of 2018. Secretary. Yes. It's a Dwight Schrute thing. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I'll find the text yesterday. Because a lot of people had the same reaction. Who is this guy? One text I got immediately from somebody who was on staff with him in Indianapolis was, Parks is an absolute stud. Hope he kills it. Still a very tough situation to be in. In other words, you're dealing with a new head coach who's not coached before. You have not called plays before. You have a quarterback who has not played particularly well and has only started a couple of games in the NFL. Good luck. Yeah, Go out and see hot. what happens. We're all counting on you. <laughs> We're joined right now on the Mercedes-Benz Van Phones line by seven-time Pro Bowl pick, member of the NFL's All-2000s team. He's a Super Bowl champ, one of our favorites. NFL legend Dwight Freeney is with us. Dwight, thank you very much uh, for joining the show. Where where do we find you on this uh, this fine day? Well, I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida, trying to dodge a hurricane. Whoa. Oh, yeah, hopefully it goes down to a tropical storm, so we don't have to deal with that. But yeah, yeah, I've been dodging a few hurricanes. So I love it down here. Well, I will. I'll start then by saying, uh, if you see a hurricane coming, Dwight, feel free to hang up. This is a very important interview to us, <laughs> but for you and your safety, we don't want to lose you uh, for the next few minutes here on this show. Let me get your thoughts uh, up in Indianapolis franchise that you know really well. You certainly know Jim Ursay. They fire Frank Reich. They make, to the outside, an extraordinary hire in uh, Jeff Saturday to be the interim head coach. What, what has been your reaction to everything that's been happening in your former NFL home? I think it's similar to most people where, you know, you're just surprised. You're like, you know, when someone called me and told me, you know, Frank got fired, I was like, man, that's tough because Frank's a great guy and he's, I think he's a really good coach. Um, I think he had just a whole bunch of bad luck and situation this year where it was out of his control. You know, you have Jonathan Taylor that goes down in injuries in the first few weeks. You know, that's you know your horse, right? And then your backup running back, Naeem Hines, gets hurt with a concussion. He's gone for three or four weeks. So then, you know, you have an offensive line who's just in shambles. <laughs> so, so your quarterback, no matter what kind of quarterback you got back there, you know, they're going to get attacked and, and rushed and blitzed, and, and the ball's going to be coming out all different types of ways. 
so, you know, it was a tough situation. I think, you know, Frank managed it as, as well as he could um, during the, based on the circumstances. So when I heard he got fired, I was like, oh, man, that's rough. You know, I wonder who they're going to, you know, promote, you know, in-house. And then I heard it was Jeff. And I said, hold on a second, who? Because <laughs> I, I was just with Jeff, you know, um, at the Ring of Honor for Tariq Glenn. And we were talking a little football. We were talking about, you know, scheme things and whatever. And, you know, there wasn't even a mention of any type of inkling of wanting to be a head coach or anything, right? And I think he had actually mentioned it in his press conference that he was surprised. All right, so... You know, I, it's going to be a real tough situation he's walking into. You know, there's a reason why you just promote somebody within the organization just to go up and, you know, salvage what you can salvage for the year. Right? Because, you know, you know what to do. You know how it's been working. You know the play calls and, and the things that you've worked on from mini camp, training camp, um, all of the things that have progressed to this point, you kind of know it. So you're not kind of like, you know, going in there fresh and and trying to recreate the wheel. Now, I don't think that Jeff is going to do that. I think Jeff is going to obviously, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a great guy. He's, you know, I'm happy for him, you know, because obviously he's had aspirations of wanting to be a head coach, even though it's a surprise to me. I never knew he wanted to be one. And so, therefore, he gets, you know, a great, situation in a sense where you don't really have to interview for anything you just go out and just do it um but that being said if you look too bad maybe they people don't look at him and saying ah you know he did such a terrible job but you know i guess like he said right he has nothing to lose in this situation um we'll see but i was surprised man i was definitely surprised so you go from the, the surprise of Frank Reich being fired to the surprise of your former teammate Jeff Saturday being plucked from a TV analyst job and a former high school coaching job to be the head coach. How quickly then does your brain turn toward, why didn't Jim Irsay call me, Dwight Freeney, to be the interim head coach? <laughs> no, I, d- I, would, I would have definitely hung up on that <laughs> I like. I don't know, like. Oh, something's wrong with my phone, Jim. Let me let me uh, check the reception here. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I I'll be honest with you. Obviously, there's been some type of conversation at some point. You know, I think, you know, Jeff is a great leader. You know, he 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 had been when he was playing for us. You know, back in the day, and obviously, you know, they saw something in him to where as though this would be his opportunity to be the, the guy forever or for as long as they, they would like. Now, this isn't the one thing I'm going to say is, look, this is a eight week or whatever, two months, you know, uh, I guess I don't even, I don't even want to call it like audition because you're walking into a middle of a season and it's kind of like, it's a real, you can't really be judged too harshly on whatever happens here, you know? So that's where I think the upside is. Um, but, it's, you know, it's not a situation where they may not – they may find another head coach after two months, you know? They may say, hey, Jeff, thank you for just holding down the ship for two months, and now we're going to go through an interview process and bring some other guys in. I just don't know what's going to happen because this has never happened before. 
you know, I've never seen anything like this. I don't know if you guys have ever seen anything like this. So it's one of those things where, you know, we we'll all have our hands in the air. Like, all right, well, let me know what's going to happen. What about as a player, Dwight? And I know you didn't experience a ton of coaching changes during your, your NFL career, but if you're in that locker room and – for one thing, I mean, you've already gone through Matt Ryan gets benched, which from all local reports was a shock to a lot of players in that locker room. The following week, the offensive coordinator gets fired. Then the head coach gets fired. And now you're bringing in someone who, listen, like people, I think, probably know loosely. A lot of guys might have heard Jeff Saturday's name, but a lot of the players in the league on that team are 21, 22 years old. They don't remember watching Jeff Saturday. They know him as a guy who showed up occasionally for the, the Ring of Honor celebration if he's walking in front of you as great of a guy as smart of a guy as he is what's the the player's reaction when he gets up there for the first time in a team meeting this morning well you know they'll probably be just like how we are (laughs) they're gonna be completely shocked that this is happening you know indianapolis has been a pretty stable place in a sense you know it's always been you know, Frank, he's been there for four years, right? And this is, I think, you're going into his fifth year. So they were used to, you know, how he controlled the meeting and his pulse. Um, and I'm, and he was a liked guy. He wasn't, you know, there's some coaches where you just can't wait for him to get fired. Mm-hmm. You know, ah, thank God this guy's gone, you know. Party, you know, let's have a party now. You know, <laughs> that wasn't Frank. Frank was beloved. Everyone loved him. Um, and he's just that type of guy. So you feel really bad when he's gone. And then Jeff, he's a great stand-up guy too, but I think he also understands that. He was a player. He understands what those players are thinking. Like, what's going to happen next? You know, you know, are you going to completely change things? And I don't think he will because that would make no sense. You don't have time to, to do a whole 180 on your scheme and what you're going to play call and your play calls and and, and who's going to do this who's going to do that you kind of have to kind of like just manage it all you know and then give those motivational speeches or whatever get those guys minds right or maybe help with the offensive line you know that's the problem with the team right now quite frankly the defense has done everything they could possibly do based on the circumstances of all these turnovers and, and sudden changes and and what's going on, it's the offensive line who, truth be told, has failed this team. Um, and so maybe he's there to, I don't know, fix that. I don't know. Well, Jeff Saturday revealed today that Jim Irsay called him during the game on Sunday, Dwight. Not after, called him during the game, saying what the H is wrong with the, the offensive line. And 24 hours later, Jeff Saturday, not even 24 hours later, uh, was the the head coach of the team. I think that a lot of people over the past several weeks, maybe casual NFL fans, people who have, who are fans of other teams, have kind of been uh, getting immersed in the Jim Ursay experience between his comments about Daniel Snyder, uh, you know, potentially being removed as owner of the Commanders, to now the press conference introducing Jeff Saturday and the unique thought process that went into it. I mean, you spent a a decent amount of time around Jim through the years. Like, how, how would you how would you describe Jim Irsay to someone who has never met him? <laughs> Jim is something else. Jim is Jim is a great guy, first of all. Right, and he's just one of those guys. He's just gonna do what he feels, whatever he feels, whatever his gut is telling him. That's what he's going to go by. Um, so, I mean, that's been my experience with him. You know, he's just. You know, and usually his compass 
you know, is in, in the right place. You know, not everybody makes all the right decisions. You know, no one's perfect. Jim is not perfect. He's going to make bad decisions, bad hires, like every other owner out there. You know, but this is his his ship and his team, and he's going to decide to do it the way he wants to do it. And he follows it by his gut. And, and he doesn't, you know, he's not going to, like, listen. You know, he may listen to people. I don't know exactly, you know, I'm not in this inner circle, so I don't know if he had any influence in making this uh, decision. But, you know, just knowing Jim, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you have to stay on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just because, but, but he, you know, he's not going to do anything crazy, but he's just going to, you know, do things maybe a little, you know, uh, to the left or right or whatever, however you want to look at it, that, you know, it's just based on his gut. So fanning out, Dwight, and I'm sure you still you still watch the league at this point. Um, as, as you look around, obviously we've had a lot of close games this season. There's also been a lot of low-scoring games. There's a lot of offenses we're accustomed to seeing play well and be high-powered that are very much not, that are struggling. In your mind, when you're just watching it as one of the, the best players of your generation, do you see bad offense or good defense in the league right now? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixture of, of both. I think, I think because of so much of rule changes and, um, you know, from, you know, a defensive perspective, it it becomes a really hard and I, and obviously I'm a little biased on this, but you know, the way that they protect the quarterback, um, it's turned into a little bit of a different game. All right. Now, you know, this game has done everything for me and I love this game. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you, I don't know, protect the quarterback the way that they, the way that they do, okay, um, it makes everyone else feel like they're pawns. Like they don't really matter, you know, like this defensive guy who has to make a play. He's making a play not only for himself, but his team. And his family, you know, he has to, you know, put food on the table, whatever his aspirations are, you know, in his career. And if he's getting penalized for doing his job, right, um, which when I say that, it takes people who have done um, or played the position of defensive line or what have you to understand how impossible some of these situations that they're getting flagged for. You know, I get it. We want to protect the quarterback position in all positions, right? But there's a level of realistic expectations, you know, that have to be looked at this. And intent has to be looked into this. And replays need to be looked in, you know, to be implemented um, potentially. Because a lot of these roughing the passer situations are costing, you know, teams games. All right. So when you have a quarterback who can sit back there and basically drink a little martini and knows that no one's going to really hit him, and he's going to go and he can go ahead and do the things that he does in the pocket, it changes um, the aggression and different things defensively, which equate to more points and and different things there. Which obviously, I, I think that's where the league and the NFL would prefer because fans love the. 59, 57 games, 
you know, with a million <laughs> touchdowns, you know. But for me, I see that and I get nauseous and I want to throw up. <laughs> it's like, where's the defense? Um, so I do believe that, you know, the game, you know, still has some tweaking to do. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that some of these rule changes have changed certain things to where those points are being scored um, a lot easier from an offensive perspective. Um, and defense is just a little bit harder to uh, do now because you just don't know what you can do. <laughs> so, so last question for you along those lines, Dwight. I looked it up. The last game you played was uh, New Year's Eve 2017, so it's been – Close to five years uh, since you last suited up in the NFL. Let's say, you know, since strange things are happening, let's say Jim Irsay calls you up this week and says, Dwight, I know you would have uh, hung up on me if I offered you the head coaching job, but, boy, this pass rush is really struggling here. He brings you back for eight games right now. You're suiting up. So let's say, you know, not have to be 70 snaps a game, but just, you know, situationally, you're playing third downs or something. Eight games the rest of the season, Dwight, how many sacks do you have for the Colts? How many sacks do I have? <laughs> well, based on these rules, not many. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting there, but they're getting overturned is what you're saying. Yeah, all, all thousand percent. I'm going to get there, all right? I'm going to get there, and I might get a, 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 another – I may make a few plays. You know, one of the plays is going to be called a hamstring, and another play is going to be called a groin. But <laughs> within, within those plays, I'm going to get some sacks. and They may take them away, all right? But I'm not laying down a quarterback gently. I just don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight, awesome stuff. Please stay safe and please uh, come back to the show soon. There's no problem. You guys take care of yourself. NFL legend Dwight Freeney, who some would argue wisely would have hung up on Jim Irsay if he was offered that uh, <laughs> that interim head coaching job. That was a, that was a fantastic Man. answer. I'm also already thinking about which quarterbacks would have what drink while standing in the pocket. You put martinis on the lot of them. Not everybody's a martini drinker, martini. but I, there's definitely a few. A couple How many drinkers. NFL quarterbacks are drinking martinis? I can't think Just of Just a though. big glass of vodka before you go out Jeez. there to, uh, to practice? Probably not a great plan. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. Or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all-in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Tom Pelissero in for Rich Eisen, who is over in Munich, Germany, going to be calling the Buccaneers-Seahawks game on Sunday morning on NFL Network. Talking a lot of NFL today and joined by another guest, another great guest right now. He's coming off of a monster game, scored a couple of touchdowns, over 100 yards from scrimmage in a win over the Saints. Ravens running back Kenyon Drake is with us. Kenyon, a lot of football stuff I want to get into with you, but first off, uh, I want to hit this event You've got going tonight, you and Ronnie Stanley doing a meet and greet. Uh, say thank you to veterans who will be joining with Pups for Patriots. It's tonight, 6 to 7.30 at Wegmans in Owings Mills, Maryland. Tell me about this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tom. And, um, yeah, it's just an event kind of saluting uh, the Patriots and the things that they or the veterans, and I, I would say, for what they, um, you know, do for us, uh, you know, overseas and, you know, in their own way. And, um, you know, bringing pups and patriots together, uh, especially people that suffer from PTSD, uh, dogs, when I have two of my own, are, you know, obviously just a joy to have in your world and uh, to kind of provide uh, a service to them by, you know, bringing them together with pups. Um, just kind of give them uh, the ability to kind of uh, overcome whatever they may be, uh, you know, going through uh, from the things that they have experienced in their life. So, uh, you know, it's a great event over at Wigman in uh, Owings Mills, Maryland, and I'm excited to be a part of it with uh, my, my fellow teammate, Ronnie. That's phenomenal, man. Great on you for, uh, for doing that. Let's talk about your team here. Uh, you guys have had leads in every game this season. Obviously, a couple of them got away from you early, but it seems like the Ravens are uh, gathering some momentum here. What's allowed you guys to do that? Um, we had a lot of confidence in ourselves, first and foremost. Uh, the, the losses that we had earlier in the year just kind of prepared us for you know this stretch that we want to continue to be on. Um, obviously, we just came from a a great win on Monday night. We have a bye week now, so we can kind of refresh and revamp and get people back that were injured. And, um, you know, we want to continue to hit the ground running. Uh, there was something that Harp said to us at the beginning of the season when we were having those fourth quarter struggles was that, you know, every great team uh, that goes on any type of run, they, you know, they kind of go through some type of adversity. And uh, we were able to kind of overcome our adversity early in the season, um, and we're ready to kind of take that next step. I don't know how much of it all you knew Lamar personally before uh, you joined the Ravens, but you know, watching watching him up close every week and also knowing, I mean, you've been in the football business for seven years. You know, you know that contract stuff can weigh on certain people. 
Lamar, it clearly does not. He does not seem to care. He's played it out on a final deal. He may be headed for franchise tags and whatnot. What what just jumps out about uh, about him to you, not just in terms of what he does on the field, but just the person that you see on a, a day-to-day basis? Yeah, he's a very, very unique player, obviously, but even more unique person. He just, he is who he is. Um, and that's what I respect about him the most, like, Day in and day out, no matter the circumstances, no matter the noise going on around him, he's going to be who he is. And um, he continues to impress me more, you know, off the field, like you said, with, you know, the contract situation that he has going on. I was in uh, several, I guess, really contract situations of my own from the 2019 season when I was with the Dolphins. I got traded to the Cardinals and uh the following season when I was on a one-year um, transition tag with the Cardinals. And I can tell from my own personal experience that it was definitely pressure. I put pressure on myself, you know, and to go out there and just try to, you know, perform. You know, it just is what it is. And with him, you know, he's on a, a whole nother stratosphere in terms of, you know, the pressure around him to go out and succeed and lead this team. And he's just him. And, you know, I continue to be impressed by, you know, like I said, the player that he is, but even more about the man that he is, that he continues to, you know, just be him and go out and, you know, play this great brand of football that, you know, we've all come to enjoy. Let's role play just for a second here, Kenyon. I'm going to be Lamar Jackson. You be your general manager, Eric DaCosta. All right. We're, we're talking about this after the season. The contract talks have been on hold since back in September. All right. Eric, listen. I don't know what else you want from me here. Uh, Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed contract, five years, $230 million. I've won an MVP. I might have a second one by the time we're having this conversation. Uh, I want five years, 300 fully guaranteed if you want to get this deal done. Otherwise, you can tag me. That's fine. I'll keep playing it out. Five years, $300 million fully guaranteed. What do you think? You can have whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> If only it were that yeah, easy. Right. If I was there, that would be what I would say. But obviously, it's a business. You know, you know, he knows it's a business. Everybody, you know, in this organization knows it's a business. So if it was that easy, obviously it would have been done. But you know, he's going to continue to do the things he needs to do. Um, everybody around him is going to continue to, you know, be a pivotal part to this team's success. And um, you know, we're just excited to continue to uh, take that next step forward as we uh, go to the bye week and get ready for the next game. Ravens running back Kenyon Drake is our guest. I was thinking about this earlier today. I I think I interviewed you on the field for NFL Network in Miami. It had to have been maybe 2018, 2017 or 18, somewhere in there. And and you've been, you know, obviously all over the place since then, from Arizona to the Raiders uh, to now the Ravens. And yet... When you're given the opportunity in all those places, you you seem to produce. Like what? I, I know it's hard when you're in the in the middle of it to kind of reflect on your career. But what what's this been like? This journey of kind of being this this hired gun that uh, every every fan around the country about week four goes, man, he's I got to pick him up in my fantasy league. He's doing it again. Um, I'm just I'm just me at the end of the day. Uh, I feel like the things that you can't control. You know, you go out there and you make the most of it. And the things that you can't control, you allow those things to kind of manifest into what you feel like you want them to be in a sense. I don't know how to really explain it any better. I just uh, – I understand who I am as a person, as a man, and I understand that at the end of the day it's a business. You know, I won't necessarily – my skill set 
you know, ironically won't necessarily fit in every single thing, you know, in terms of like every team's scheme and what they think of me and, you know, how they want me to go out and produce. But uh, when I get on the field, you know, even since I was at Bama, you know what I mean? Like we have so many weapons there. And whenever I touched the ball, I wanted to make an impact, even without the ball as well. Uh, and I just, you know, any type of opportunity I get, I go out there and I make the most of it in terms of just being who I am, putting my, my footprint, my fingerprint on the game. And uh, I love this game. You know, I love every opportunity that I get. And, you know, I try to show that in any and every way on and off the field. Um, and I just, you know, want to continue to do that uh, as for as long as possible. Your situation was a little bit unusual with the Raiders in this offseason where you had that big guarantee for this year. New regime comes in. That's not uncommon. They want their own guys. They they decide to move on from you. They try to trade you. doesn't work out. You end up getting released. When you look at what's going on in Las Vegas right now, what do you think? Um, you know, it's, it's hard for me to even speak on it because obviously I'm not there. You know, uh, I want everybody there to have as much success, you know, as they possibly can. Of course, they're going through whatever they're going through because of, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I haven't put too much merit or thought into what they have going on. You know, I talk to some of the guys over there every now and then, and, you know, they're they're worried about, you know, specifically what they can do to help the team win, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I hope that they can, you know, continue to turn around. Because, like I said, I have a lot of love for, you know, the people that are still there in that order, in that organization in general. Uh, but for me to even speak on it would be, you know, above or, or, you know, beyond, you know, what I can control, which, like I said, is something that I I try to continue to merit on or, you know, run my own race in a sense. So in terms of things you can control, you guys are a pretty good team right now. You're going into the bye. It seems like now you've had some unfortunate injuries, obviously, with Rashad Bateman being out for the season. J.K. has been down uh, for a while now, but you guys are in a good spot at six and three. When you look at the lay of the land right now in your division, in the conference, really in the entire league, where where do you where do the twenty twenty two Baltimore Ravens stack up? Man, um, it's funny. I saw a stat where it was talking about how we've had a double digit lead in every game this season and of course you know we you know weren't able to hold on to uh three of those leagues because we've lost those games and the other teams that have come before us that, that's had that type of success has only lost like one game i think and we lost you know three of those games as well so it's like the sky's the limit for us um you know we want to you know like i said continue to get healthy that's first and foremost especially going into this bye week and then taking it a game at a time. Um, it's a, a season within a week in the NFL. Uh, so you can't look past any team, no matter their record. You know, it's any given Sunday. You know, as, you know I continue to just throw cliches out there. That's just what it is. Uh, I just understand that this team works hard. Uh, understand that this team um, is going to, you know, lay it out on the field. Offense, defense, special teams. We're a three-facet team. And uh, as we continue to kind of press forward, uh, we're going to take it a day at a time, a, a game at a time. And, uh, you know, try to make the most of this, this thing right here in 2022. Last thing for you before I let you go, Kenyon, is it is it strange looking at the college football playoff rankings and you got to scroll all the way down to number nine to see uh, see Alabama in there? You know what? It's 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 pretty funny because when you look at you know the identity as a team and the games that they lost, uh, they've lost 
you know, two tough games on the road against top ten opponents. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's just that's just how the cookie crumbles. Uh, it's you know, I, I would love for them to obviously be undefeated uh, and to continue to be the, their dominant selves. But I mean, you know, it's 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 great and it's still fun to watch them continue to compete. You know, and I'm I'm excited to see how the season kind of continues to unfold because you never know. The year that I the year that we both years that we won a national championship, we lost one game, and we lost one year against Texas A&M against Johnny Manziel when he had his Heisman run, and then the next time we won was 2015, and that was my senior year. We had lost early in the season against Ole Miss. Both times we need to help, you know, to get to the SV championship to get to the uh, playoffs or BCS, you know, championship back in my rookie year or my freshman year, and you know, it, it all happened, but. You know, two losses are probably a little difficult to kind of overcome, especially when you lost so late in this season against LSU. But, um, you know, I'm excited to see how everything continues to unfold for them. Kenny, we really appreciate the time. Best of luck with the uh, Pups for Patriots event tonight, 6 to 7.30, Wegmans in Owings Mills, Maryland, with Kenyon Drake and Ronnie Stanley. Appreciate the time, man, and uh, enjoy the bye. Best of luck the rest of the season. Yes, sir. Appreciate your having me, Tom. That is Ravens running back Kenyon Drake who's, again, like I said, he's he's bounced around, keeps being on a different team every season, but when called upon, he's, he's taking advantage of those, those opportunities. The Ravens right now are, are a really interesting team to me because you watch them early in the season and you watch the struggles on defense, and yet when you look at them offensively right now, they remain one of the hardest teams to match up with. There's just not a lot of quarterbacks who do the things that Lamar Jackson does. And even when they're down a Mark Andrews, and they're down J.K. Dobbins, and they're down Rashad Bateman, and they just kind of they, they figure out, all right, who's going to line up at running back? Last year it was, let's sign Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell off the street. This yeah, year remember, they lost all their backs before the season even started. Right, exactly. Year. They had to do it because they lost, obviously, Dobbins mm-hmm. went down. Gus Edwards went down in that yep. practice as well. So you're, you're shorthanded the entire year. They just they make it work, and it all revolves around one guy. I mean, I, I don't know how thoroughly Kenyon thought through the answer on that, but I think it was the it's the correct dynamic, which is if you're Eric DaCosta right now, and under. Listen, market dynamics are a different thing. But you are in a position where it's like, how do you not say we need to do whatever it takes to get this (laughs) done? You don't want to be doing the fully guaranteed contract. There's a reason that NFL teams flipped out when the Browns did it with Deshaun Watson and obviously faced serious allegations of sexual misconduct. But also, no one had ever done a deal like that. It upended the entire economics of the NFL. There's something called the funding rule, where if you fully guarantee a contract, the following January or February, whatever it is, got to put all that money in escrow. And if there's one thing billionaires don't like, it's having money not working for them, just sitting there doing nothing. And so we've seen other contracts get done since, the Kyler Murray deal, the Russell Wilson deal. They've not been fully guaranteed. Lamar, who serves as his own agent with help from his mom, uh, wanted a full, fully guaranteed contract. The Ravens weren't willing to go there. They let him play it out. Lamar, his leverage is, I'm willing to play it out. Deshaun Watson's leverage was, we got multiple bidders. That wasn't, as one person within the league told me, that wasn't a trade. That was free agency. What Deshaun Watson had was four or five teams that are all bidding mm-hmm. for him. And the Texans were already a spot where, okay, if you want to talk to him, you got to be willing to put two first-round picks and additional picks, three first-round picks and additional picks. And all those teams stepped up and said they would. Then it was just about the money. 
The Browns were told they were out. The very morning he agreed, they're told you're out. And they came back and went, all right, we'll do it. We're willing to put all the money on the table right now. Your average player, even the best quarterbacks, don't have that when you're trying to do the deals early. Because you don't want to franchise tag them. It's not great for your salary cap. But you're also in a spot where you have the control. Not many guys play the whole thing out. It's a short list. Kirk Cousins did it. Got a fully guaranteed deal from the Vikings. But he had to play on two tags. If Lamar does that, we're talking about 2025. Technically, they could tag him a third time, but it's such an astronomical number, they would never do that. You wouldn't think. Although, who knows where the cap is going and everything else. It just it creates a different dynamic, not to mention you're negotiating directly with the player. And don't forget, the Ravens at the trade deadline acquired Roquan Smith, another player who represents himself and is unsigned beyond the season. You have one franchise tag to use. So there is going to be a lot of incentive, if not pressure, on the Ravens to figure out a way to get one of these deals done. You would think Lamar is going to be the priority of those deals. And if I'm sitting back going, I can either commit... 50 plus million dollars a year to Lamar Jackson or 20 plus million dollars a year to Roquan Smith. Even though it's a bigger number, I know what direction I'm going. And it's to Lamar because he impacts everyone around him. That's take nothing away, nothing away from Roquan Smith, but it's just it's it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch play out in the couple of months after the season, January, February, March. Yeah, Rockman. or you could do the scenario where you get Roquan locked up, tag Lamar, see Correct. how next year goes and then go back to this all over again. But Roquan wants $20 million plus per year. He wants top-of-the-market inside linebacker money, which was a market that did not exist at that level until the Jets got C.J. Mosley from the Ravens. The only way they did that was to offer him $17 million a year, which was way beyond what anybody was making. Right. So then Bobby Wagner gets the bigger deal. We've seen other guys get bigger deals. So that, that number is at such a high scale here. Are you going to pay Roquan that money? You gave up a draft pick for him, so you would think yes. With Lamar, you're incentivized to get something done, but you also have a player who you know is going to show up on the tags. He doesn't seem to care. He doesn't look at the value of it, and part of that's not having an agent. No agent would allow Lamar to play last year in 2021 for like $3 million or whatever he was making. You would have said, we're getting the deal done, or he's not showing up. It's funny how the Ravens always find themselves in these situations. Like C.J. Mosley and Matthew Judon, two of their best linebackers in the last few years, leaving free agency to big deals with the Jets and Patriots, and now here they are back again with Roquan Smith having to pay this guy that they just acquired. Well, and if you're one of the best drafting teams in the league, which the Ravens are, you can look at it as, all right, we let some of those guys walk. Because you're right, going all the way back to like Rick Wagner and other players, they've had some of their best Even Adele, homegrown Adele players. Even Thomas, who went to the Patriots, that was the, one of Bill's first big splash defensive free agency signings 10, 12 years ago. Right, they've had homegrown players who have left for big free agency deals. When you do that, number one, you're, you're keeping cap space available. Because if you don't pay somebody $15, $20 million a year, that's money you can use to potentially make up the production elsewhere. And number two, you get comp picks. You get a third-round pick out. If you constantly are adding those additional draft assets, that gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to to make other moves. Now, they're not going to want to let Roquan Smith walk, much less Lamar Jackson, but it does create urgency here. There's not a lot of teams that find themselves in those situations. The Giants potentially have it with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I don't know that you look at Daniel Jones in the same category as Lamar Jackson at this point, but if you decide he's your quarterback, it still creates some pressure here because you would certainly think that they want to re-sign Saquon, who's very much the the heartbeat of that team. Uh, Let's take a quick break here. We have have a response 
Oh, from Russell Wilson to wristband gate. <laughs> I just saw these quotes. Uh, it's awesome. I could talk wristbands all day. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Mike McCarthy going back to Green Bay as well, coaching the Cowboys against the Packers coming up this weekend. That's next on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Russell Wilson has now responded to uh, the words of Pete Carroll a couple of days ago (laughs) regarding uh, along the lines of the Russell, didn't say Russell's name, but just was complimenting Geno Smith for wearing the wristband, how that expedites some things and cleans up the play calling process and uh, that there have been some pushback, some resistance in the past. Here's what Russell Wilson had to say Today, when asked about those comments, you don't you don't like the come to find out you don't like the play sheet on the wristband. Come to find out, what do you mean? Well, there's a you know the Pete Carroll said something about putting a wristband, putting play calls on a wristband. Uh, I don't know exactly what he said, but um, but I, I think you know won a lot of games there without one on the wrist. Put it, you know, and uh, I didn't know uh, winning or losing mattered if you wore a wristband or not. But uh, I think that, uh, you know, I, you know, do whatever it takes to, to, to make sure that we're rolling and, and moving and, and everything else. I've, I've, the few times I've definitely won a wristband, depending on the game plan and what we have called and all that stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> ah, I mean, fantastic. he's smiling. Oh, my, he's so- But you can see underneath. Oh. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if he really hadn't seen the comments because he kind of looks over at uh, Patrick Smythe or whoever the PR guy was who was there. Uh, like, what, what's, what, what are they talking about? I what was that? But, I uh, yeah, I mean, that is, listen. The amount of shade that Pete's been throwing at Russ, though, in the last few weeks has been, you know. I, I mean, cool. it's, it is entertaining. Awesome. And who would have thought for us. every narrative about the Russell Wilson Seahawks divorce was geared around – they didn't do enough. Pete's got to go. You know, they they wasted some years with him. And now he's moving on. He's going to go win in Denver. And I think that there's a, a part of Pete Carroll that's just kind of like, 
I'm going to take a victory lap right now. Yeah. Even though we're we're halfway through the season, right? And and Russell Wilson could turn it, around. He he's not been healthy. Yeah. He's not been fully, you know, in rhythm in the system. They're getting better. You've seen good stretches of Russ. I know that it, it's easy to reduce it to, you know, the the social media videos and the high knees and the Broncos country let's ride and all those things. You have seen flashes. All right, the first half against the Raiders, he played really well, and then. Didn't feel great in the second half. Didn't play well. They've played decently in the first halves of games. They've got to play complete games. He is healthier right now than he has been at any point this season. And so we'll find out. But for the moment, you've got Geno Smith actually running Shane Waldron's offense, which is not what they did last year. It was a lot of the rust stuff that they had to incorporate. And, you know, for Pete to look at this and to know, and, and him and Russ talked a lot they talked a lot through the offseason about what's going to happen and where Russ wanted to go and all those things. It was this very kind of odd, uh, uncomfortable breakup. But in the end, you have his backup from last year, Geno Smith now, who is actually running what they're supposed to, playing at a really high level. And the Seahawks have gotten back to what made them so great early in Pete's tenure. They're not great on defense right now. I mean, that that's the big difference. They have to get used to the offense picking up a lot of the slack. Yeah, they're playing shootouts. It's yeah, exactly. Which is not how it often was with Russell. With in in the Russell Wilson years, a lot of it was all right. Let's get to the fourth quarter. It's sixteen to thirteen. <laughs> right, okay, right. now Russ, can you do it? All right. Can you go and cut it loose? All right. But that that was all part of learning to play with a young quarterback and not having to turn the ball over. And as Russ got older, he wanted to open things up. He's a guy who's very conscious of his legacy, of his public image. He knows that people don't, a lot of people don't give him credit for the first for the Super Bowl win in 2013 because, well, that was the Legion of Boom. It was the defense. And then the second one, it was, why didn't he give the ball to Marshawn? Why do you have to throw it down at the goal line? And these, you know, the crazy theories of, well, that was to make Russ the hero. No, they threw the ball on the goal line because if they ran it on second down after Marshawn had gotten stuffed on first, you've only got one timeout. And now you have to use it, and you're only getting one more play, potentially, if you run the ball three times. So you had to throw the ball at some point in that sequence. Anyway, that's a, that's a side story here. But Russ never had gotten an MVP vote. Never felt like he got the proper respect. He wanted to go and show, I can win. I can win big someplace else, and I can do it with me. All the let Russ cook stuff, like that was real. And Russ was frustrated when he had the turnovers in 2021, or 2020 rather, and Pete started to scale things back a little bit and get back to the other style of football because Pete said it was not sustainable. Again, we're halfway through the season. A lot can change. But I totally get Pete feeling like, you know what? I took so many arrows for this guy, <laughs> and I heard all of it, and I couldn't say things, and I tried to make it work. He wanted out. And that was one of the first things the Seahawks said. They put out a statement after right. the trade, yeah. making clear Russ wanted to change. This is not on us. And Pete's, Pete's letting people know. Just a little bit here and there. It's not real direct. Uh, meanwhile, one other story we haven't gotten to. Mike McCarthy going back, speaking of reunions, to Green Bay. Uh, here's what he had this. Oh, we don't have enough time for sound. We'll get to it tomorrow. Mike McCarthy, though, very emotional yeah. about his return. Um, and, and it makes sense. Uh, you know, I did the interview with him during his year away when he was doing the McCarthy project and kind of re-engrossing himself in film and trying to you know, understand some things, doing a deep self-analysis. When I asked him about his children and his family and what it would mean to go back, I don't even think I invoked his family or his children. It was just what, 
why do you want to do this? And he became very emotional then, too, talking about his family, what it would mean to them. I mean, it, it was an uncomfortable situation. He was let go minutes after a loss in Green Bay and just never got that kind of, you know, the goodbye moment. He had met his wife there. His kids were born there. They had a lot of questions. They were still in school. He lived in Green Bay after Crazy. Uh, after he got uh, let go. So to go back there, and he's the one on top, Oof. even though everybody in the world seemed to think before the season he was going to be on the hot seat, they're the ones winning. It's a fascinating dynamic. Thank you very much for tuning into the Rich Eisen Show today. We're going to be back. I'm going to be back. Tom Pellis, Cyril. <laughs> <laughs> 